the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the revealing of your son and the very nature of the incarnation of Christ Jesus, our Messiah. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are enlivening our hearts and opening our eyes with wonder and joy at the unfathomable glory within this story. We thank you, Jesus, that you chose to came to us. You chose to came through us that you would redeem, sanctify, and baptize every step of our journey with your presence. We thank you for peace, hope, joy, and love. We thank you that we know these these virtues are from heaven. They're gifts that we receive in increasing measure as we contemplate your goodness. We pray that you would comfort all who mourn and strengthen all who are weak. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's so good to be with you guys. Uh, this Advent season, uh, I've, been, I've been hoping that we wouldn't just be like reacquainted with the story, but that we would be re-enchanted uh, by the wonder of the man, Jesus Christ. Because um, our, our religion, so to speak, uh, is not a, a list of doctrines that we know and uh, having this mental ascent to a higher place. The, the foundation of our religion is mystery and wonder. And uh, I actually stand before you not as someone who has all that much figured out, um, but I, I love mystery and I'm a good question asker of the Lord. And I found if, if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, like I have, and some of you have been walking with the Lord longer than I have, that you may have noticed that the older you get, you feel like the less you're certain of. But the few things you are certain of, you are even more certain of than ever before. That's the goodness of God. And we become acquainted with this phrase, I don't know, but God is good. Does anyone uh, in here have a nativity scene set up in your house? Yeah, it's fun, right? Are there, do, do we still have any kids in the room? Yes, wonderful. Okay, so I have, uh, I have candy to give. Let's see here. Ashley knows that recently I've become kind of a candy person. So let's see here. Is there any... Hi, buddy. <laughs> hey, bud, you know, you know our nativity scene at home with Jesus and the angels? Can you tell me something that's in that set? Yes, there is an angel. Here you go, buddy. Okay, can y'all tell me something that's in your nativity set? Is there like a shepherd or anything like that? 
star? That's wonderful. Okay, sweetheart, can you tell me anything that's in your nativity set? Yeah, Jesus, here you go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we got more, we got more, okay. <laughs> All right, buddy, can you tell me something that's in your nativity set at home? I a camel. A camel, yes, good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> okay, can you tell me something that's in your nativity set? Yes, Mary. Can you tell me something that's in your nativity set? Joseph, yes, good job. I've got one more. This is the last. <laughs> Last piece, anybody, anything else in your nativity set? Come on, Sh shout it out. Wise yes, wise men. <laughs> in our nativity sets, you will find angels and people showing that heaven and earth would be mingling once again. In our nativity sets, you'll find magi, uh, which were stargazers from distant lands who came because even the heavens of the night sky were declaring his glory and announcing his arrival. These men were also referred to as, as kings, these magi kings, bringing him costly gifts, showing that the wealth of the nations would flow to him. And there's that star, obviously, in the sky, which is a signpost indicating where he is, but it also is telegraphing a message, the promise of Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars of the sky. And you'd see the camels and the farm animals symbolizing that even creation is being redeemed from the futility that it was subjected to. And you would see Baby Jesus, symbolically the Lion of Judah, laying down with the Lamb. You'd see the manger or tabernacle, as some describe it. You would see Mary and Joseph. You would see the shepherds, much like King David, when King David was a boy. And then you'd see baby Jesus in the center of it all, wrapped in the, the same cloths, the swaddling, swaddling cloths that they would use to bind a lamb's leg before slaughter. Can you put up the, the, pic that I, the picture that I sent you? This all, Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem, and <clears throat> this year, this famous church in Bethlehem set up a nativity, um, but because it's on the West Bank in a place that's experiencing violence and, and war, the, um, the leaders there decided to lay Jesus in the rubble of a destroyed building. I'm going to read... Um, 
these verses from Micah and nine and uh, <laughs> Micah five and Isaiah and nine. While you guys just look at this this picture, <clears throat> this is Micah five starting in two. It says, "But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah." You're only a small village of the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are are of the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth to a son. He will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. And then uh, jumping to Isaiah 9, it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, fuel for the fire. But to us, a child is born, a son is given. And the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I look at this picture and I I think about the promise that he would give us beauty for ashes. I think about the promise that he would restore the buildings that have been damaged and destroyed, the places once uninhabitable. uninhabitable. Here I, I see what I, we often see with Jesus. It's the best of heaven meeting the worst of earth. If the incarnation, which is the enfleshment of God, if the incarnation were to happen today, it would probably be in a place that looks exactly like this. And his, the presence of his purity would draw the poison out of the moment. His presence would shine. I asked uh, our staff this week, why did Jesus have to come as a baby? Like, why didn't he just descend like mighty Loki from the heavens and just say, I'm God, worship me? And, or with a, with a snap of his finger, 
you know, just undo all of darkness. Um, and they gave me all these wonderful answers, and, and then I told them to give me scripture verses, and, and we, uh, we had a great discussion, and, and from that discussion, I just want to share with you three or four beautiful reasons uh, from the Bible as to why God would have to come or would choose to come just like us. In both Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, there's this same reality described by Paul, and he uses really similar language in, in both of them, so I'm going to combine them into this one idea. In Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains that Jesus had to become like the first Adam, but perfectly obey God where the first Adam fell. And this section from 1 Corinthians 15 reads like this. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. For he must reign until uh, he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. But when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Where the first Adam fell, the last Adam stood. The first Adam fell in paradise. The last Adam stood in hell. When uh, the first Adam fell, Satan had a boast in the heavens, and it sounded like this. You made Adam and Eve to be objects of your affection, placed them in paradise, and they chose me. God developed this plan to redeem us from darkness and death, and he put himself on earth through his son, Jesus the last Adam put him in the darkest darkness when it's so hard to obey God, so easy to fall, and he chose God, and the boast has been broken. Athanasius puts it like this, God became human so that humanity might become divine. The word became flesh to restore the image of God in us, corrupted by the disobedience of the first Adam, through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we find restoration and renewal. Another reason Jesus came just like us, we find in, in Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 18, it says that since the children had flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them in every way, fully human, in order that he might become merciful and faithful, high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We have Jesus who didn't just uh, jump past certain stages of development. 
He was born a baby and he had to become a toddler. He had to learn how to not spill the goat milk and hit his thumb with a hammer. He had to learn, he had to learn, he had to grow. Can you believe that God was taught? He's made like us in every single way that we would know that every step of our journey has been sanctified and baptized by his presence. Dude had voice cracks when he was 13. <laughs> Dude as in savior of the world, Messiah, Jesus, holy one. St. <clears throat> Cyril, Cyril of Alexander, Alexandria, this is one of our church fathers in uh, the year 376 said this, he took what is ours to be his very own so that we might have all that was his. Out of compassion for our fallen state, he came down to us. By his own death, he became our ransom, freeing us from the captivity of sin. His compassion for us is such that he desires to become what we are so that we might become what he is. And lastly, uh, there's so many beautiful reasons you can find from Scripture to talk about the, the purpose and reason of the incarnation, but I, I want to go back to uh, the original problem, which is the fall from the garden and the promise from the Lord that there would be one who would crush the head of the serpent and that one would come through the woman. Jesus had to be born just like us. And the Virgin Mary actually became a greater Ark of the Covenant than the Ark of the Covenant could ever be. Like the first Ark, she is carrying covenant within her. Like the first Ark, she is carrying the presence of God. But she isn't just carrying around some old tablets, but the fullness of God in bodily form. Because God doesn't dwell in houses made by human hands. So here in the incarnation, in the conception, we see that the son of David is traveling in the womb of woman. Mary, who would, like the Ark of the Covenant, carry Christ through a broken world. And this time the ark wasn't taken on conquest or military battles. This time Mary would carry the presence through places of rejection, poverty, family drama, homelessness, violence, through valleys of weeping. Like that picture showed, God is choosing from the very conception of Christ to be brought into our journey. Please forgive my tears this morning. Uh, 
even the, uh, the geographical places that Mary would walk mirrored places that the ark would go. You know, when David brought up the Ark of the Covenant, he went to seek it out in the hill country of Judah. When Mary went to reconnect with Elizabeth, she went to the hill country of Judah. When the Ark was brought back from the hill country of Judah, David, the priest, danced. When Mary's tummy came close to Elizabeth's, the priest, John the Baptist, jumped and danced in the womb. Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection fulfilled over 300 prophecies coming from many prophets over the course of thousands of years. Prophecies that he would be born of woman, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, descendant of the tribe of Judah, heir to the throne of David. Even the place of his birth of Bethlehem and the timing of his birth were prophesied. Bethlehem even means the house of bread. And Jesus stood before people and said, I am the bread that came from heaven. He would be born of a virgin, as it says in Isaiah 7, 14, that there would be a slaughter of infants and an escape to Egypt, and that he would have his ministry begin in Galilee. That verse that I read from <clears throat> From Isaiah 9, where it says that uh, the land of Zebulun and, and Naphtali, by way of the sea, the people living in great darkness have seen this great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death was fulfilled the moment Jesus passed the, uh, the test of the, the temptation in the wilderness from the enemy. He went right into the land of Zebulun and began preaching in, the land, in that very land that was dwelling in darkness. The greatest light had arrived. Jesus' birth fulfilled the prophecies that he would be a prophet, priest, and king. He would be rejected by the Jews. His triumphal entry into Jerusalem would take place on a donkey. That he would be betrayed by a friend, sold for 30 pieces of silver. The money would be returned for a potter's field. The false witnesses would accuse him. He would be silent when he is accused. He'd be struck and spit on and hated without a cause. These are all prophecies fulfilled by Jesus that he would suffer vicariously, he'd be crucified with sinners, that his hands and feet would be pierced, he would be mocked and insulted, he'd be given gall and bitter wine, vinegar to drink, that he would pray for his enemies, that his side would be pierced, that soldiers would cast lots for his clothes and not a bone on his body would be broken. These are all prophecies from hundreds or thousands of years before him that are fulfilled by his life and that he would raise from the dead and ascend into the heavens. Jesus' birth was announced to shepherds just like David and it gathered kings, astrologers from distant lands, animals representing creation, spiritual beings such as angels. His birth was already starting the regathering of the nations and the reconciling of all things. At the very manger, <clears throat> before we get to uh, enjoy our, our, our children, being awesome, I have a, a prayer that I want to pray with you guys, and this is a uh, historic, um, it's Celtic liturgy. Um, can you put up that first slide? <clears throat> so this is going to be 
This is going to be fun. We've never done this before. I'm going to read the lines in white, and then all together, we're going to shout the lines in green, okay? <clears throat> among the poor, among the proud, among the persecuted, among the privileged, Christ is coming. He's coming to make all things new. In the private house, in the marketplace, in the wedding feast, in the judgment hall, Christ is coming. He's coming to make all things new. With a gentle touch, with a forceful word, with perfect intention, with burning love, Christ is coming. He's coming to make all things new that the kingdom might come, that the world might, might believe, that the haughty might be brought low, that the humble might be raised, Christ is coming. He's coming to make all things new. Within us, without us, among us, before us, in this place, in every place, for this time, for all time, Christ is coming. He's coming to make all things new. Peace be with you, brothers and sisters.